Welcome to the Crack the MBA show. My name is Nupur Gupta and I'm your host. Pallavi Kaul is our guest today and she is an MBA student at INSEAD. At INSEAD, Pallavi is VP Empowerment of the Women in Business Club and VP Gender Equality of the Social Impact Club Endeavor. Prior to INSEAD, Pallavi has worked in consulting at FSG and Carney. Pallavi also participated in the Startup Summer Tour, where she toured four European cities, speaking with founders and VCs in the edtech space. This summer, Pallavi is interning with Sama Sidekicks, a startup which curates fun activities for children. Hi, Pallavi. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks. Thank you, Nupur, for having me. Pallavi, to begin, can you tell our audience a little bit about where you grew up, your college education and your work experiences prior to INSEAD? Sure thing. So um, I was born and brought up in Delhi. So I grew up in Delhi, did schooling in Delhi, then went to Shaheed Sukhdev College of Business Studies, more popularly known as College of Business Studies or CBS. That was a great experience. Uh, I think what made INSEAD an interesting experience was that they had a more holistic selection process. So there were people who would go through a group discussion and a personal interview. So I was very lucky to be uh, surrounded with people who were I found were very well-rounded. And so I did that. I did my bachelor's in business studies. And then uh, right out of college, I started working with Carney. Uh, I was there for three and a half years. I started off as a generalist. And then I started specializing in consumer goods and retail because it was just something that was more relatable. And I enjoyed stuff like fashion, beauty. So yeah, it was just something that spoke to me naturally. And then um, three and a half years into it, I really sort of rethought uh, about my goals. And I really thought back to, so I had done a few projects with Teach for India when I was in college. And I realized that there was a lot of fulfillment that I would get from those experiences. And I thought that I want to sort of pursue social impact as a full-time career. And that's when I stumbled upon social impact consulting. And I think it was a great balance of trying to do social impact while leveraging skills that I'd built at 80 for me. That's when I pivoted to FSG, moved to Mumbai uh, to work at FSG, spent around three, three and a half years at FSG. It was great. I majorly worked in education and women livelihood. And that's where my passion for education as a topic sort of solidified even further. So Pallavi, after working for about seven years i believe yeah that's when you went in for an mba and generally people pursue the mba anywhere in the range of say four to seven years can you speak to what the thought process was for you when you were looking to pursue an mba seven years into your career so uh to be very honest i was thinking about pursuing the mba four years into my career however life kept happening to me uh so i initially when i first took my first GMAT attempt that year um, I just got into an accident and uh, that postponed it for that year then I thought about changing tracks of my career that's when I moved to FSG so then I was like okay you know let me first meaningfully gain from this experience before jumping into an MBA Uh, and it was just something I was super excited about so I wanted to spend enough time once I got into FSG I just 
I think I just got into the groove of it. I really enjoyed my work. I loved my organization. So it was just hard. And then beyond a point, I was like, okay, now it's time to sort of make the move. And then the pandemic happened. So life kept happening, to be very honest. But having said that, I think timing-wise, it worked very well for me from two perspectives. I think I had a much more rich experience in terms of exploring, you know, two different organizations, working on so many different industries, also working in different positions. So like I was a an analyst at AD Kearney, then I was a team leader. Then when I moved to FSG, I was an associate, a consultant. As a consultant, I also became a module leader. So there were different responsibilities. I think in terms of range of experience, it was great. Secondly, I think I have way more clarity on my goals, which I didn't have when I was four years into my career. So I think it's worked out well for me. And I think it's very important for you as an NCAA student when you enter into an, a one-year MBA to be clear about what you want. I think that's really important. And we will talk about this more once we progress with the conversation. But yeah, I think all in all, it's worked, worked out well for me. I didn't plan to do it seven years into my career, but I think it's been the right time for me to do it. All right. That's helpful. Thank you. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about goals. But even before that, can you talk about why you were looking to pursue an MBA? And if you want to bring up the goals here too, that works also. Sure. So I think it has to do with my goals, both personal and professional. So I think uh, from a professional standpoint, I wanted to pivot into the tech sector. But I also wanted a flavor of it before I actually make that shift happen. Uh, which is kind of hard to do in normal life. I felt like there were a lot of courses, a lot of an internship opportunity and a lot of uh, credible faculty and alumni to speak to at INSEAD to really get a flavor of what a career in tech would look like and how feasible it is also for someone from my background to actually make that pivot possible. So I think one is to do with that. I think secondly, from a more personal development perspective, I've you know, grown, I've been born and brought up in India, I've grown up here. My outlook of working with people globally is only professionally, remotely when I was at AD Kearney and a little bit when I was in FSD. But to actually live with people from different countries, understand their opinions and perspectives, understand where they come from, it's, it's just, it teaches you so much. It's so eye-opening. And I think this, this was necessary for me to be a global leader, which is what I see myself being now post-INSEAD. So I think those were the more reasons. Those were the most important reasons. And I would say those were the two most important reasons for me. All right. No, fair enough. And uh, Pallavi, as you were looking to apply, what was your school selection strategy or how did you go about identifying the schools that you wanted to apply to? Yeah, so um, I think here, Nupur, you really helped me. Uh, I think earlier, my strategy, like most students, was by the rankings and like being like, okay, I should do, you know, Harvard, Stanford or whatever, all of that, just based on rankings. But when once I spoke to you and I spoke to more people who had sort of made selection lists, I sort of tried to see two things more clearly. One is what will help me sort of achieve my goals 
second is what is useful for me at this point in my career given i'm 7 years into my career already and thirdly like when i speak to people from these colleges who are the people that i connect with more where can i see myself as a better fit versus the others and i think based on these three criteria and obviously like geographical geographic location preference of course so uh, i think these four things really help me make my selection in terms of schools yeah all right fair you talked about geography being a criteria right so why would one go for a european program versus a us program ah uh, so again like i think that really depends on your professional and personal goals european versus american i say there are two three things that differentiate them one big one i think is diversity so um i think when it comes to diversity at the end of the day us business schools are still 50 60% american and even in that like the ones they say are not americans a lot of people are from different nationalities born and brought up in the us so that percentage is way higher than is actually reported when insead or other european schools say they have diversity they mean it like i'll tell you about my own study group it's a study group of five people i'm indian there's a lebanese guy there's an american chinese girl there is a japanese brazilian and there is a british guy this is one study group and all study groups are like that and all of us also have different career experiences so imagine the kind of diversity that insead delivers and other european schools as well that is one secondly i think it's also around how much do you value work life balance do you, like you know are you at a point of your time where you know you just want to hustle hard you want to make a lot of money if that's your priority you should definitely go to the us because the hustle work hard culture is in the us it is there in some cities in europe as well like for example london it is there but it's still not to the extent of what you'd find in a new york or in a chicago based on whatever i'm hearing from friends who are interning here versus there but if you seek more work life balance and you're okay with a 20 to 30% pay cut when it comes to the same positions like in consulting or in um, tech, actually tech jobs i think is more similar both geographies then you should come to europe and again like this may be just an insiad feature i feel like our batch is like there is a lot of integration like we have a lot of big parties there's a lot of attempt to socialize as a big gathering where there are 100 200 people sounds absurd during covid but it happens <laughs> and uh, so i think these three things uh, have been great for european schools however having said that it's very high ranking like everybody knowing the name of your college is important to you go to the us if you want to make a lot of money like money is your key goal go to the us and like if you're in that phase where you're like work hard play hard type kind of a zone in your life go to the us i think there are advantages and disadvantages it really depends on your personal and professional priority right and i guess one other thing which i can think of potentially which also can be a factor for people is the amount of work experience they have right like even yeah. you for example with insead the average experience being about 7 years 
So that also potentially can be a factor where you're with peers who have more work experience and that automatically obviously changes the dynamic quite a bit, I imagine. More people have families and the connections you're making are different as well. Yeah, and I think um, also in terms of this one more point I thought of is that um, like when you study in Europe, it kind of opens the world as an oasis for you in the sense that it's all of Europe, it's Middle East, it's Southeast Asia, US also, but only if you have authorization. So these are all sort of places that are open at INSEA during, even, even during summer recruitment, people had offers from Europe, Dubai, Singapore, um, you name it, essentially, like including myself, like I had an offer from Singapore, I had an offer from Berlin, I had an offer from like, like multiple places. So people get offers from like multiple locations across the world. Very cool, very cool. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later as well. But we, we've talked about it a lot generally, right? But can you also specifically share why NCAD for you? One is that I knew a lot of people at NCAD. I don't know, like when I would speak to people at NCAD, like it felt like I was speaking to a cult. Like it was like, you have to, like you have to come to NCAD. Like it's the best year of our life. And I, like everybody I spoke to was so enthusiastic about it and spoke about the community so highly. Um, and community is very important to me as a person. Even when I choose an organization, for me, it's very important to work with people that I connect with. So I think that was a very, very important perspective for me that I am a part of a collaborative community. And while everybody will say that about their business school, with INSEAD, it really is true. Like I can tell you that everybody's out there to help you. There is competition, but there is healthy competition. People are willing to help you. They are not going to be petty. They are not going to be petty at all, actually. People are super helpful. You reach out to anyone for help and they will come back with five things they can help you with. It's been incredible from that perspective. Second was, it was a one-year course. For me, I thought that I could deal with it given that I have seven years of work experience. I'm quite clear on what I want. So I thought that, it made much more sense from a return on investment perspective than it did for me to eventually like spend two years out of the workforce, pay that kind of money from a return on investment perspective made much more sense. And it was a great, like it's a great school in terms of ranking, brand name from a diverse, again, diversity perspective. I wanted to be in a diverse environment. And what I heard from people at INSEAD was that it just cannot get more diverse than this. And I saw that on day one. Like with all the placards in the big auditorium on day one, I was like, okay, wow, you know, this has been the right decision in terms of diversity. And fourthly, like personally as well, like my sister has been living in Zurich. So it was nice to also be close to just some sort of semblance of home. Like if I'm ever feeling low, I can just take a train and go to her. So yeah, I think these were the reasons to be very honest for me. And one thing related to my goal also is that eventually I think I will go back to Asia. And I think uh, just the access that INSEAD provides you to both Europe and Asia is unparalleled. I think it's a good mix of going from a developed market to a developing market. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And we will talk about the presence in those two regions as well a little bit later. But before that, I would also like to talk about the admissions process. What do you think were the top two or three factors that helped you succeed in your application to NCAD? Sure. 
So I think firstly was uh, I think the essays and thanks to you Nupur, like I think I was able to really tell a story where a lot of vulnerable and deep stories from my life came out. Like there were a lot of very genuine things that happened in my life that sort of shaped my goals and you know shaped what I did with my career as well and how I sort of developed personally and professionally. So I think it was really talking about those stories like if it helps I can give an example like the accident I was speaking about earlier like I spoke about that how I felt in that moment how it gave me time to rethink my goals how I pivoted my career so I think just being vulnerable and telling an authentic story in the essays I think really made my application stand out so I think that was one that was important the second thing I think that helped me was that during my interviews I think I was not stressed anymore I think I'd I'd had practice from my earlier interviews and I think I just took them as conversations and not like somebody is judging me or judging everything I'm saying I took them as like I'm speaking to someone and I'm having a conversation and my entire interviews were the most easygoing chilled out interviews like they were so good I think it's also kudos to the to my interviewers they really made me feel very comfortable it was just like a smooth flowing conversation like we're having right now so I think like for me I think my some of my FSG projects were really interesting and unique I had advised the government of a African country on their sanitation policy I'd worked on women livelihoods I'd worked on education for the bottom of the pyramid in India so I think this, these were unique experiences that would have also sort of helped. But I think the first two are the most important that I mentioned. Pallavi, INSEAD also has a scholarship process, right? Yeah. So could you speak briefly about that also and how applicants can maximize their chances of obtaining a scholarship at INSEAD? There's an application process for the scholarship and you have to like answer questions. You have to proper write essays again. But totally worth it I think you should dedicate like proper time and thought to really write your scholarship essays it's really worth it like for me it worked out really well I got about a 30% scholarship of the institution I had to pay so I think um, there's a proper process uh, depending on what scholarship you're applying to there will be two three questions that you have to answer and they'll mention how much detail they want and I think you should really, really give it a thought. You should work on them, like to work on your application essays, which is really think through the story. And a lot of your essay material will actually help you with your scholarship essays as well. But very important to dedicate proper time to the essays uh, for, for your scholarship. That's the process mainly. And uh, INSEAD offers a lot of scholarships. The maximum amount is 30 to 35% of the tuition. Rarely anybody gets more than that. But um, a lot of people end up getting like some amount or the other. You should really spend dedicated time on it. And speaking about career goals, Pallavi, how did you identify your career goals? And how can prospective applicants find their true north? For me personally, a lot of it was introspection when I was writing my MBA application. I was clear that I see my long term in social impact, but I also had to consider some practical aspects as well in terms of just paying off the money that I sort of spent on my MBA and getting jobs that will sponsor a visa like typically social impact careers do not sponsor visas, right? Like even my 
even FSG, if I want to work in FSG Geneva, they, they're not willing to sponsor a visa. So it's challenging. How I identify was introspection. I looked at what experience do I have? What skills do I have? Where do I want to go? It can also not be unrealistic, right? Like today, I can't suddenly tell you that I want to be an investment banker. It's not going to happen. It has to be a realistic goal. It has to be something that interests you. And it has to be a pivot that is possible. For me, that is tech, mid or big tech right now. I want to learn something new. So I was like, I don't want to do consulting. I want to see tech because it was just something interesting. Secondly, in tech, what in tech? Education is something I've been passionate about. So I talked to tech. How I'm exploring it is I'm doing, I've done like as Nupur mentioned in the introduction, I did a startup summer trek and I'm also doing an internship with an tech startup. So that's how I'm sort of exploring whether this is something I actually want to do. In introspection, do you have any specific advice around how students can go about getting those stories, those key moments, be it for their essays or be it for career goals? I think what really helped me also was Nupur, the form you have in Italy, where there's a lot of sort of going back to your childhood, going back to your school, your college. So there's a lot of questions that really make you think back to moments that you've had. So I think the advice is that really go back to your school days. Think about key moments at each stage. You know, for us, it's mainly school, college, first job, second job, whatever. Think of your turning points, both professionally and personally. Really think about why you took certain decisions, like why the specific college, why the specific course, why your first job, why your second job. It will really start and sometimes, you know, we make decisions and I mean, we do think through decisions, but sometimes we don't really call it out to ourselves very explicitly as to why you chose something really like, you know, writing that entire story of your life and thinking about why you made certain decisions really helps. And that will sort of help you understand your motivation. Once that helps you understand your motivation, that will help you set your future goals. Pallavi, you spoke about visas a little bit. For international students, what kind of job opportunities are available in which countries and anything about visas that's pertinent to know? Sure. So I think in terms of visa sponsorship, there are some industries that are just used to doing it and do it for international students very easily. So that is consulting and big tech. In big tech also, like it's a small sample. It's Amazon, a little bit Google, consulting all the firms like yours, MBB, AD Kearney, Strategy and et cetera, et cetera. All of them do it. They have been doing it. So if you are a little risk averse, and you want to sort of ensure that, you know, your visa is getting sponsored, I would focus on these, getting jobs in these sort of companies. Having said that, uh, increasingly startups are also looking to sponsor. There are a lot of startups, especially scale-up, which is post-series B, post-series C startups that have the kind of funding to sponsor people and are looking to sort of get MBA talent onto their team. It helps them with you know, pitch that they have in CAD MBA students or with whatever MBA students in their team. So these are two industries I've explored. Apart from that, there are companies in CPG, in retail, where which have some opportunities like L'Oreal, for example, does sponsor. Nestle, L'Oreal. There are also some of these, these big companies which are conglomerates. And they also sponsor visas, like they have paths, like leadership paths where you work in all functions in the company, like you go from 
uh, retail to sales to finance everything you work on in the company and it's what, like an accelerated what companies leadership have those path. leadership paths good question i think one is definitely unilever the rest i'm sorry because the thing is this is not of interest to me so i've not explored these much palavi switching gears a little can you speak about how well you got to know insiad and what kind of outreach you undertook so i think i was just lucky i had a lot of people from cbs in the last few years who had gone to insiad so i had like direct like some people and i knew them knew those people personally as well so i readily knew of like five people who were either alumni or were current students and they connected me to more people so i was able to like speak to some eight nine people during the application process and just get different perspectives on the gazillion questions i had so i think that but i would say you'd be surprised like for other schools i did a lot of cold outreach as well on linkedin and there were people who would get back to you so you know in case you don't have that network do not be disheartened in fact i also reply to a lot of cold messages on linkedin that i keep getting so like reach out to people like someone or the other will get back and sort of talk to you about your questions and your experience so it's not something to be discouraged about if you don't have that network already all right that's helpful and is there any advice you have for somebody to be more successful in cold outreach yeah i think it's important to mention why you're reaching out to them so like a brief message like if you just send them a connection request it's not going to happen you need to sort of brief them about the fact that oh you know i'm an intel applicant i have a few questions around xyz it would be great if we can get on a 20 minute call 15 minute call or something or if you prefer we can just you know chat on linkedin so give them complete control on you know how you want to communicate how they want to communicate with you and explain the purpose of why you're reaching out to them so i think that those are two things that are important palavi just reflecting back on your process what do you think you could have done better with the admissions process and any other advice you have for prospective applicants so i think the first thing i'd say is that i got my essays reviewed from students at these business schools a little late in the process i think i should have done that earlier in the initial draft to sort of get the right direction in initially because the students have a great insight to share in terms of what they've seen what they've seen succeed so i think it's important to get that feedback in initially in your first two three drafts rather than sending them your sixth draft so i think that is one thing that i didn't do well secondly i think i didn't in my initial interviews practice enough i think if you know you have friends who want who can do mock interviews with you in these schools will be ideal but even if not just generally for you to practice the star approach practice uh, telling your stories concisely practice being conversational not seeming stressed out or edgy while you're taking the interview i think all of these things are really important so practice 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 like mock interviews are really really important i think the third thing i mean i could have gotten a higher score in my gre but i guess that everybody knows that you need to apply with a good score especially as an indian you should be at least above a 740 if you're in in gmat or a C30 very helpful, especially the thresholds. Pallavi, a lot of times, prospective applicants when they look at students who are at the Dream Business School, right, they think that everything looks so perfect. 
and that these candidates were flawless and they're battling internal demons that you know oh we have this flaw we can't get through so based on your journey you just talked about you know maybe you could have had a higher score on the GRE so can you talk about you know maybe perceived weaknesses in your candidacy and how did you overcome that barrier sure so I think for me one biggest thing I don't know if it was the score so I had a 328 out of 340 that I was applying with which was slightly on the lower side it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. It was not, it wasn't something that was going to get me like instantly in, right? I really tried to improve my score, to be honest. I took multiple attempts of the GMAT first and I took multiple. It just wasn't happening for me. I think I was suffering from exam fatigue. So if it doesn't happen for you, you just ensure that if this bucket is not strong enough, you have to ensure all your other buckets are like super strong in terms of experience, in terms of like you do your best in everything. Like you don't want to look back all of you know that how much of an investment mentally, emotionally, physically, monetarily this entire process is. So you don't want to look back and regret not doing your best. So I think beyond the point, I really push myself to really introspect, get the most deep stories out, get the best stories out, trying to really think through all my extracurriculars, really quantifying everything I've done be it on my resume, be it on my activity section, like really quantifying the impact of my work. So just ensuring that everything else, I whatever I had, I presented it in the best way possible to overcome like that slightly lower score. That was one thing that was lacking. The other thing was international experience, which is extremely important for India. I never lived outside India. I never worked outside India. But I had experience of working in multicultural teams. So I really highlighted aspects of my work where I'd interacted with people from different cultures, different countries, and how I'd successfully delivered on those. Also spoke to like, you know, if there were differences, how those were resolved and stuff. So really highlighting how you compensate for not actually living outside by those experiences and also like my personal travel and stuff. I don't think that would be that valuable i think it would be more valuable to sort of highlight how you professionally have interacted with people who are diverse i also you know in terms of diversity spoke about how i moved to mumbai for example which was a completely different culture within india so really highlighting any opportunity to highlight how i've dealt successfully with cultural differences was helpful to overcompensate that weakness in my application all right that's really helpful and you spoke about your involvement in activities. So that's something that applicants also wonder about. How important is it to be involved in extracurricular activities as well as in community opportunities? I think it is important in the sense that it shows, like I think from an organization perspective, it just shows the reviewers just how involved you are in your organization like for example i did a lot of initiatives within my organization in terms of social impact in terms of wellness and stuff gender equity as well but i think it just shows how dedicated and involved you are in your organization they ask you for it so many times in the application like there are questions around that in in the essays and there's a separate section in the application form to fill it so I think they do want to see, you know, how you like you're not just someone who studies, does their job well, but also multifaceted because they're, I think, looking for people who are more well-rounded. So it is important to highlight anything you've done, right? Like it can be any 
sort of initiative you've taken at work, any volunteering you do outside work, any dance classes you're taking, it can be anything, but it's important to sort of highlight the interests you have because it just helps conversations as well. Like your interviewers will talk to you about your interests and your involvement in activities as much as they'll talk to you about your. So it kind of also makes you an interesting person to really talk about more holistic things than just doing well at your job or doing well in school. Coming to INSEAD, Pallavi, how does one choose between the two campuses, Fontainebleau and Singapore? I think for this, it's both a personal and professional choice. If you want to recruit in Europe, uh, you ensure that you're in Europe for P4, P5. P4 mainly, that's when the recruitment... And what's P4? Sorry, it's the fourth period. Instead, it's added into five periods. P4 for all, for both the intake, January and the July intake. Both have P4 as their key recruiting, full-time recruitment season, which is the fourth period. So you have to ensure you're at the campus that you want to recruit in full-time in P4. So that's important. There is no internship in the July intake. There is an internship period. There's a summer in the January intake. That is why the January intake is till December. It's a 12-month period as opposed to the July to, sorry, September to August to July intake, which is 10 months. And you also have to be in the campus where you want to intern at in P3, the third period, which is right before the summer. Second is just in terms of experience. Like for me, Personally, I was like, Singapore is like right here. I've lived in India all my life. I want to explore Europe. I want to travel around Europe during my weekends. I want to recruit in Europe as well. So I want to understand more about the region. So it can also be something as personal as that because you'll see a lot of Europeans actually go to the Singapore campus and a lot of Asians actually go to the Europe campus because they just want to change, right? Also, it depends on what weather you want. Like some people actually make the decision based on weather. They're like, Oh, January, it will be much more pleasant in Singapore. So let's start in Singapore and then maybe come to Europe during the summer and then let's go back to Singapore when it gets cold again. So genuinely, like I'm doing P5 in Singapore because it's going to be terrible in France weather-wise and the bigger graduation happens in Singapore for the December batch. And for the batch that graduates in July, the big graduation happens in Fontainebleau. So everybody, 80% of the batch graduates in Fontainebleau. That's where the bigger graduation happens. So yeah, it can be something as little as weather. <laughs> yeah, those are some helpful considerations. And how long is a period? Two months. Picking between the August and January intakes, can you speak about the considerations? So the first consideration I think would be that if there's something you want to explore and you're not sure about, definitely go for the January intake because you have the summer to do something that you've not done before. You have the summer to test it out. So I think that's helpful. Secondly, if you're someone who wants to do investment banking, you have to do the January intake. There is no option to do the other intake because you will have to do the summer recruitment and uh, you get the summer to work with them and then you get offers so if you want to do investment banking that is your only option i think it's also quite interesting for people who want to do consulting like there are people in my batch who already got in offers from bain london mckinsey whatever mbb or strategy and or at Kermia or whatever and they will be given full-time offers as well most likely like you really have to do something very wrong to not land the full-time offer 95 percent of them will get the full-time offer so i think it's also like 
if you're really set on consulting i think it's great because it gives you two chances you can prepare during the summer god forbid you don't make it you try again and you know you have more practice because you've already done it once and then you just make yourself better you know what to work on pivoting to consulting you've not done it before i think this is a great time to sort of get two chances at it rather than just one for people who are sponsored i think the july batch makes much more sense you know you spend less time out of the workforce you don't really want to recruit right you're here for academics or whatever moderate store entrepreneurship whatever your goal is right you can do that in 10 months the july intake is also better for people who just exactly know what they want and are either going for easier pivots or are going for easier pivots i mean you did boutique like you were doing consulting in a boutique firm now you want to uh, do consulting at a big firm for example you're not really changing too much so you do the july batch because you don't need to really intern to be honest like for me also i could have done the july batch because consulting to tech is not that unheard of as a pivot a lot of people do it but i didn't actually know if i like tech I wanted to explore that, so I did the Jan batch. But if you're set, you know you've done a pre MBA internship, and you know that what you want to pivot to something you enjoy, you might as well do the July batch. It depends based on these factors. So, Pallavi, coming more specifically to the academic experience as well, can you speak about the star professors at INSEAD and you know some courses that are on everybody's list? Yeah, sure. So I think uh, now I've started like. enjoying the the academic part of it instead a lot more because we have electives now earlier it was core and for me the course of this weren't that interesting because i'd already done that in my undergrad a lot of it so i think it's gotten way more interesting for me now but initially i'd say what i really enjoyed in the core courses so we had this prices and markets which is basically microeconomics and uh, we had this professor vlad He's amazing. Like he is so good. I really enjoyed his class. I also enjoyed strategy. So we had introduction to strategy, and it was just interesting. Like just the layout of the class was super interesting. And my professor was Cheng Li, so he was quite interactive. Like the class was super discussion based. So I think I really enjoyed that. Also, what I really enjoyed is organization behavior. A lot of it was a lot of simulation. Where we were put in, you know, within our study group, we had to do like a simulation to climb Mount Everest. That was my first class of OB, which was just so interesting. Like everybody in your team is given like a different set of conditions and is given like different information, and then you have to collectively make a decision. So it was all about teaching you balancing personal priorities versus group priorities. Very interesting. So there was a lot of stuff like that in organization behavior one, which was very interesting. So these were a few core courses that were quite interesting in electives. Oh my God, I've had some of the most amazing electives. So I did technology and innovation strategy just because I'm interested in tech as a field. This is uh, done by Professor Michael Bicard, and his course also fills up like super. Like he does three sections for his course. That's how much in demand it is. Just incredible. Like each class, he writes a case. He has self-written cases for all his classes. and he invites the founder of the startup he's writing the case on during class you can ask them questions real time like i've had lunches with like ceos after the class like there's an opportunity to sit down and have lunches with some of these founders so super interesting would highly recommend technology and innovation strategy 
the other class i would highly recommend is embracing complex change this is by professor linda she's the one who founded psychological services at intiad and started the gym at intiad so this is a class where you think through your life you think about your turning points you think through family history observe patterns you actually you are assigned a mentor and and you are somebody's mentor within the class it's a class of 30 people and you are interviewed about your entire life and the kind of realizations you have like and we got so close as a group of 30 people like the first class was on turning point 20 minutes into the class we were all crying we were all like in tears so it was like it I, i don't know if you guys have heard of the stanford touchy feely this is intiad's version yeah. of the stanford touchy feely essentially embracing complex change highly highly recommend like people who do not take it this is their biggest regret that in fact that they did not take this class the third class that i would recommend and this is again my personal interest is strategy and investing for impact this is by professor jasjit singh it's an incredible class i mean for me it was a lot of stuff i already knew but it was just interesting to hear different perspectives but someone who's not does not know about social impact as a career from a business perspective like how do you match and get the both get both sides together i think it's a great class for you to understand if it's something that can interest you it's a very case study based discussion the professor is extremely amazing and the two the two professors i talked to you about as well like i seek guidance from them for my startup tour and i'm actually doing an isp like a independent student project with both of them for my summer startup tour as well so highly highly recommend these three lectures from my perspective and how easy is it to get the classes that you want are they very competitive hard to get you have to make trade off i mean you do have to make trade off but to be honest when it comes to getting the electives you want rarely people who don't get electives that they uh, want you end up getting it if you don't have any points at all if you're someone who bid for all exchanges like campus exchange water exchange all of that then you may not have points to really select the elective so you have to make a trade off you have to see how much you want to bid on a campus exchange versus a school exchange versus your electives like i was very clear that i'm doing one year at intiad i don't want to go to another school i want to maximize my experience at intiad i want to do one campus exchange because i want to experience both campuses and the rest of the points i want to save from some electives that i really want to take like for example something that is also very very sought after is negotiations by derek dizzy Derek Dizzy is the head of the personal leadership development program at INSEAD. He will take one of your sessions on launch day. You will be smitten by him, and it's one of the like courses that's really sought after. So I'm really excited for that course. Sorry, he doesn't take negotiations. Sorry, sorry. He takes psychological issues in management. Negotiations is another very sought out of course, which is done by a professor. I'm forgetting his name. but he was a hostage negotiator so you want to take that course there are some very very interesting courses um there's also private equity course that happens which a lot of my friends have taken who are interested in private equity that's also very sought after also by a very famous professor but i do not know the name palvi what are the major events that students look forward to attending through the year yeah there's a lot of events that happen at intiad but i will try to summarize the top 3 4 that happen I think one is the cultural week, the International Culture Week month, actually, where um you vote for two three nationalities, and they sort of have like a week of you know food, parties, 
events to demonstrate their culture. So I think in our batch, it happened for Lebanon, UK, Brazil, and Turkey. So these were the four that happened for our batch. So that's super interesting. You eat food from these countries. You attend parties with snacks and drinks from these countries. They do events which are more about their art, their dance, everything. So it's, it's amazing. You learn so much about different cultures. That's one. The other is the summer ball. So this happens on one of the weekends of the alumni meetup. There were a lot this year because of COVID, there was a backlog of alumni meets and graduations that happened this year. But there's one summer ball that happens, which is amazing, should not miss. And yeah, there is, uh, so there is MSD, the Master Strategist Day that happens in the first period. And it is basically this day where in your strategy class, you're put in like your, your, with your study groups, you have one night to essentially crack this consulting case that you're doing for this one firm. It's quite intense. It's amazing. It's a experience that you would not forget. And again, there are a lot of like things happening based on your batch. Like, you know, our batch did things like there was an Australian day. We as the Indians did a Bollywood night. So this, Stuff that keeps happening, like different culture groups keep organizing different things. There's a Chinese New Year that was celebrated. So there's a bunch of things that keep happening. Just keep your eyes open and see, you know, what you want to attend, what interests you. Pallavi, a lot of people are concerned about their ability to make a career switch through a one-year or a 10-month MBA. So do you think it's possible to make a career switch from say like a non-consulting career to consulting, non-banking career to banking and a non-tech career to tech because thinking of those three as some major opportunity areas. So I think from a non-consulting to consulting, very possible. They are looking for people from diverse backgrounds. Uh, and there are people in fact who made that pivot in summer recruiting as well. I personally know of people who are working in oil and gas, or were working in retail earlier and have landed uh, consulting jobs at MDB. So it is definitely possible. I've seen it happen in within three months of getting into Instagram. So it is definitely possible. The second one of non-backing into banking, very tough, almost impossible. Uh, rethink INSEAD if you want to do that. I think people who has to see the people who had finance or backgrounds or have worked in finance-related jobs. That is the furthest away from banking that someone can get into investment banking. So I'd say that is one pivot that will be difficult and I would reconsider instead if I were you. Uh, thirdly, you said non-tech to tech. There are a lot of examples of people who've moved from different careers to tech. But most of the examples that I've seen is of consulting to tech, media to tech. Yeah, like basically moving from a different part of tech to tech. I say it is more, it is possible, but I'm not sure. Like, I think if you are a non, not from a tech background, you want to pivot to tech, try to look up people uh, from your background that have made this shift and do that research. I did that research before I um you know decided to apply to instead i would recommend that you do that research for you as well understood and do you think it's possible to transition from let's say tech strategy to a product role in tech 
depends. It depends on the organization that you're aiming for. So like, for example, once you start doing research on product management, what you'll see is some companies are more open than others. Like, for example, in Amazon, I'd say it's possible. In Google, it is not. Because in Google, they look for people who are engineering backgrounds. So if you don't have an engineering background, getting into a product role in Google is very difficult. So it depends on the kind of organization. It depends on whether the PM role is a business PM role or a tech PM role. You have to do that research. And as you do your research, you'll realize so it, it will be different for different startups. It will be different for different companies. So you have to sort of do that research. You have to speak to people. Tech recruitment requires a lot of outreach, a lot of conversation. Like start from like third week of INSEAD. Okay. Very helpful. And outside of uh, PM roles, what roles could uh, applicants consider, which are product roles, like they still get exposure to product and even other non-product roles? So I think uh, there are strategy and operation roles uh, where you can potentially be working on a product. So I think that will give you some exposure. There's also like, for example, right now I'm doing a strategy and business development role where I'm getting a lot of exposure to the product because I need to understand the product, right? If I'm pitching it to investors because I'm doing the fundraising strategy, I'm doing the business development. So I need to understand the product well, need to understand how to position it to prospective partners and stuff as well. So even something like that can give you exposure. So strategy, business development, sales roles because you need to learn about the product if you're doing sales or marketing roles in these organizations and partnerships. Partnerships is something you get a lot in like Google has a lot of partnership roles. So do a lot of startups. Pallavi, as you reflect back, what's something you wished you did prior to getting to NCAD? I think I wish I'd done more outreach to people in the kind of roles I was looking at post-NCAD, like just understand the realities of these roles better so that I would have had a more robust strategy for my summer recruitment. And also like speaking to people about their experience of summer recruitment because what I felt was that I got I got pulled in too many directions initially. Eventually, I got something that was ideal for me. I was lucky. But I got pulled into a lot of directions. I was like, oh, this looks interesting. Let's apply to this as well. This as well. Which by the end of the time just exhausts you and burns you out. So I think it's important to really start having, like if you're looking at a pivot, if you're set, if you want to do consulting at NCAD, the school will do everything for you. There is nothing that you need. I mean, it's just there's too much consulting at NCAD. You, you don't need to do much before. I mean, you can start case prepping, but not more than that. But if you want to do something else, which is not that regular, like you want to get into impact investing, you want to get into tech, you want to get into VC, PE, whatever, you should start having those conversations before INSEAD. INSEAD is just too quick. You will get into INSEAD, you will suddenly have academics, you will have socializing, you will have recruitment events. You would wish that you had more than 24 hours a day every day. So just do whatever you can before in terms of recruitment outreach because at the end of the day, that's what you're here for, right? You're here to get the job you want or pursue the career you want. Get those conversations going. 
Palavi, what's the biggest challenge you've faced at NCIAD thus far? There's one word. It's called FOMO. The fear of missing out. Everybody you speak to will tell you about this. But to live it is completely different. At every moment in NCIAD, there will be a hundred things you could be doing with your time. It could be attending a call by a recruiter. It could be having dinner with your friend. It could be attending a big party. It could be, um, you know, listening to a lecture by a professor. It could be any. There could be a hundred things in each of the buckets, which is academic, recruiting, socializing, networking, that you could be doing. And every moment you have to make a decision. Like you have to be on all the time. You have to plan your week ahead. You need to know, like, if you don't plan, if you go with the flow, like the days I've gone with the flow, if I've gone with the flow for three days, fourth day, I feel so out of depth, so away from what's happening. So I don't want to scare you, but in INSEAD, all your organization planning skills need to be leveraged and used. And you need to remind yourself at the end of every one week, every two weeks, what your goals are, why you're here and not get distracted because there is a lot to distract you at MCI. There is a lot. You will understand once you start MBA. No, fair. So you do like a weekly planning thing, maybe like yeah. on a Sunday. I do a weekly plan. Yeah. Sunday, I plan my entire week broadly. Obviously, there is some buffer for flexibility, but I try to plan in terms of, I set goals in terms of what I want to achieve every week. Switching gears a little, Pallavi, can you tell us about the housing situation? So where do you live? What neighborhoods do students majorly populate? Yeah, so I can tell you about Fontainebleau. I don't know much about Singapore at this point. So uh, Fontainebleau is a small town. You can literally walk from the beginning of to the end of the town in 40 minutes. So essentially, a lot of people end up living towards the central market. A lot of people live in around Rue St. Mary and Rue de Farrar. A lot of those houses are around these two streets. And basically, there are two kinds of accommodations that you will find. One is shared houses. I also live in a shared house. And the second is apartments, like individual, either smaller apartments with two, three people or like individual studios that people live at. So shared houses can range from, I'll first talk about shared houses. Shared houses can range from as low as five people to, what is the biggest? I think 25, 30 people. Most of them are around the 15, 15 range. So I think for me, the reason why I chose to be in a shared house was that even though they were more expensive, it just allows you to socialize with a smaller group of people and your housemates tend to be the your closest friends because, I mean, you're living in the same house right for me like i'm a social person i'm an extrovert i just wanted to sort of live in a shared house and also i didn't know anyone from my batch personally before so i didn't want to say that okay i'm you know living with someone i choose to live with someone already and then what if i don't get along with that one person right so it was a decision based on probability of just living with eight people. My shared house had eight people and also socializing, like just having a base to like, you know, socialize or get to know seven other people more intimately. That's why I chose. And I think people in shared houses also have the opportunity to host. So we host a lot of parties at our house. 
everything is taken care of in shared houses by everything i mean the electricity the internet washing cleaning everything is taken care of having said that they are expensive 30% more expensive than a normal apartment but again like if you're someone who's an introvert or someone who just prefers to have their own space completely and do not want to like you have your own space also in shared houses like you have your own room and your own bathroom but outside it's all shared so if you want you know your shared spaces to also be more personal then i would go for an apartment there are a lot of options uh, available shared houses research just speak to people you know who are current students or alumni uh, there's a lot of telegram groups there's a fonte housing telegram group you can ask all the questions you have on that people will be happy to help there are some websites that you can use for house hunting as well i think there's one called city i don't remember i can send them to you nupur later once you get your admission just book your housing if you want a shared house if you want a shared house that okay so those are high in demand then those are high in demand they get filled out very pretty quickly like i booked mine in july for the december intake oh wow that's very far in advance and how far is that from campus so i think the furthest so there are some people who end up living in avon or the end of fontainebleau which is 40 minutes that i would never do personally but there were people who just wanted to have cars and stuff or they took bicycles cycling is a very like normal thing at fontainebleau so you do that however like i so my house was a 7 minute walk is was a 7 minute walk and the new house that i'm living in will be a 3 minute walk and how do students engage outside the classroom like one thing you were talking about was like parties and some of these events are there any other opportunities yeah so there is freddy which is our um, cafe slash bar and you know after classes you'll just see people getting a coffee or a drink at freddy's and there's like a nice area where you can sit there's couches there's an outside garden where like there are loungers you can just sit you can relax you can catch up with people so there are parties there are um, you know freddies you just like i mean it takes me every time i go to say take me 30 minutes to get out of freddies because you'll end up finding like five people who you end up having conversations with every time so like <laughs> if i am late for a class i do not go to freddies i find an alternate route to reach my class so freddies is one second is parties third is like there are you know smaller dinners there are club meetings there are mixers that are organized when we get back after some of the j batches incoming so there's already like a launch week planned and mixers planned with the j batch like dinners that the student council has organized and there are mixers with them both formal and informal formal that is on campus and informal that is in shared houses so it's yeah it's there's a lot of opportunity and i think it's important uh, to like actually try and mingle with your study group with your section like you know take the initiative as well you'll always find people in classes who are taking the initiative it's good to be that person to take the initiative as well to get people together all it takes is make it make a telegram group suggest a time suggest a venue and just make it happen what's the j term which one is that j is the one that starts in july like now the one that is Sorry, the one that graduates in July starts in August, but graduates in July. Sorry, it's based on the graduation month. So we are the D batch, the December because we graduate in December, and the J batch is the one that graduates in July. 
All right, understood. Very helpful. By the way, one thing which applicants are sometimes concerned about in a one-year program is not having access to a second-year class for mentorship through the MBA. Are alumni very accessible? Yeah, so alumni are actually super accessible. Um, like, you know, if there's someone you're interested in their job role, just explain why you want to speak to them. And the response rate that I received from alumni has been super high. Like they're really willing to help fellow initiatives. And there's a lot you can learn. Like if there's someone who's been on a path that you're interested in, like for me, for example, people who pivoted from consulting to tech was interesting. So I sort of had those conversations with them. There are people who are working in ed tech companies like Coursera. So I reached out to them. They are sharing their experiences with me. And they give very genuine advice because, you know, they will not paint an untrue picture for you. They're not going to say that everything is good. They'll tell you the pitfalls of everything. They'll be super honest. Like I've had some amazing conversations with alumni. Like I've reached out to people who were like voluntarily, like I spoke to them, I asked them questions and then they were like, you know, let me know when you apply and I'll be happy to refer you. Like that's how forthcoming alumni are. So reach out to them for advice, reach out to them for um, advice on careers, advice on what electives you should be taking on how do you want to participate in clubs on, you know, requesting for referrals if they are in the form of your interest. So they're very forthcoming. Like the INSEAD community that way is super, super accessible and super helpful. Moving to your involvement in the activities, right? Like the Women in Business Club, the Social Impact Club Endeavor. Can you tell us about the major activities and purposes of each of these groups? Sure. So I think the Women in Business Club, the purpose is essentially to look at different aspects of thinking through the different challenges that women face as part of the workforce and in being business leaders and sort of having those conversations, you know, getting women who've been successful leaders in the space, getting them to talk about their experiences, learning from their experiences, organizing mixers within the inside community because there's so much diversity in experiences even within like the current students exchanging notes or uh, you know talking about initiatives they've been a part of such as DEI or gender ec- equity and getting thoughts on how we can as future leaders embed those in our organizations as we go forward so these are a few things we focus on as part of the women in business club understood and what about the social impact club so the social impact club is broad in the sense that we deal with like different careers that people can pursue as an intersection of business and impact. So there is, you know, social impact consulting, there is working for an NGO, strategy for an NGO, for example, or there is looking at tech firms that are dealing with impact issues like climate tech or, you know, food alternatives, which are more sustainable, So looking at those alternatives, so there's a lot of like different careers. So the whole idea is that there's very actually still very low awareness when it comes to social impact careers. Like people who've actively seeked those out know about them. But people, if I'm someone who's not actively interested, but I don't, I would not even know about these careers. So I think the main goal of that club is to A, essentially first expose the community to social impact careers the breadth of careers that exist and actually get people from these industries to speak about their organizations and the work they do. So getting that exposure to the inside community 
and secondly also pursuing initiatives which are uh, more social impact like once we kick off before we are planning to do a farm visit which is more about contributing to the local sort of fontainebleau community looking at organic farmers and seeing how we can contribute to their earnings or doing stuff like one thing that we are trying to do is reduce food wastage within our cafeteria in in siad so you know a lot of times like we end up wasting the food that we are eating so you know we are trying to get an initiative around letting people pack their leftovers so that they can eat, eat that later because students will prefer that that you know they can microwave it later so there are also initiatives around reducing waste uh contributing to the local community etc that we have so those are the two main pillars of the club what kind of activities do you broadly have like you talked about this cafeteria initiative what are some of the other activities through which you run your initiatives our team was just formed in the end of the third period which is right before summer so we have a plan of things like for example one thing that uh, one of the other initiatives that we are planning to started in chat is that if you notice like a lot of business schools have uh, the board m- membership program where they get in chat students to sort of be in the boards of non-profit around so we are actually trying to start that at inchat and leave that as a legacy of endeavor which is starting the board membership program so that's one thing we want to do apart from that there we have like certain ideas on you know collaborating with old age homes because honestly So Inchat has a bad reputation in Fontainebleau. So we are trying to do some initiatives to actually like really uh, contribute positively to the local community because students in a small town are nuisance essentially. So we are trying to sort of um bridge that problem. Uh apart from that in from a career perspective like you know just from my network I'm getting some people from SSG Dalberg to talk about the careers at these places. We are getting some inspired alumni who started climate tech startup to talk about that. There is this whole new space on carbon trading, so we are getting experts to talk about those. So just getting like more information out there and giving opportunities for people to talk to these people about their careers and experiences. And even with the women in business club, are there recruiting opportunities also as part of the club? Actually, this is something that. is happening from the company side like we are being reached out to by recruiters to set up events just for women like for example amazon reached out to us to set up a uh, amazon launch lunch amazon launch is one of the programs that they offer for mbas for just like organized by the women in business club in collaboration with amazon and just to speak to like a set of women at inchat there is like a lot of interest increasingly just to get to improve the gender balances in workforce there's a lot of interest from recruiters to have exclusive events from women where leaders come women leaders from these organization come and talk about their experiences of really progressing how the companies have supported them uh, and how they have progressed in their careers in these specific companies so there are a lot of recruiting events as well as part of this club understood And Pallavi, can you talk about the summer startup tour? That sounded really exciting. You know, touring four cities. If you could share a little bit about that, that'd be really helpful. Yeah, hundred percent. So summer startup tour. So it's a initiated by Inside Digital, where you form a team of two to four people. Yeah, ju- just backing up for a second. What exactly is Inside Digital? 
So INSEAD Digital is essentially like an umbrella sort of INSEAD initiative, which is about exposing the INSEAD student body to like the latest that is happening in the digital industry. It's a little broad as a term, but majorly refers to tech and like the different aspects of tech, which is small tech, which is startup, early stage startup, mid tech, which is scale-ups and big tech, which is your fan, Facebook, Amazon, Google, et cetera, et cetera. Essentially, like increasingly INSEAD also, like given its reputation of being a consulting school, it's also trying to sort of have a stronger sort of presence in tech careers. And this is an opportunity for students to really explore specific industries within tech. So as a group of two to four students, you can, you have to specify what sub-industry within tech you want to explore and what's the goal uh, for you to explore that industry. So for example, for my team, we were a group of four and we wanted to explore edtech. And in edtech, we essentially wanted to answer two questions. Like one was more around the European edtech industry in terms of, you know, what are the key trends? What are the key challenges? You know, where's the industry going? That was one. And secondly, uh, we wanted to understand how can edtech, profitable edtech startups sustainably serve underserved communities. And here by underserved communities, I mean refugees, people with learning disabilities, people from low-income backgrounds. So how can that essentially successfully happen? So these were the two goals. So we had to come up with like a deck which presented this goal to the team, the summer startup team that sort of looks at selection and um, so we had to pitch our tour like what our objective would be what our end output would be would look like uh, what are the cities that we are visiting so we chose to visit so in Europe the edtech hubs are in London Amsterdam uh, Berlin and uh, Paris so we chose to visit these four cities and uh, the idea is that you go to these cities and you interview founders, VCs, alliances, whatever is relevant to your research in the particular industry. So over my four weeks, I've been able to interview about 30 founders of startups and venture capitalist firms, EdTech VCs. And it's been quite interesting and insightful. Like, I guess my main goal was to just understand what's happening and just to be, to speak more smartly about EdTech because it's one of the industries that I'm really sort of interested in. And it was quite insightful. And it was amazing. I mean, that I guess everybody already knows this, but what you get out of reports and what you actually get from conversations with people in the industry, it's a whole other level. The kind of nuance and insight that you can get, it's quite exciting. And there are about seven teams like us who are exploring different industries. Like there's a team that's exploring metaverse in Europe. There's a team that's exploring consumer tech in Southeast Asia. So there are like, seven teams in total that are doing different things in different regions. There is a team that is exploring the startup space in Australia and Perth. So there's different uh, teams that are like all over the world. Everybody's doing different things and it's quite interesting. It'll be very interesting to see all our presentations once the summer ends. Very cool. And is this sponsored by INSEAD? Because you talked about making a presentation and getting selected. So there is some funding that INSEAD provides. So you get a total of 1800 euros funding for your tour, which honestly is not that much, to be honest, but it is something. It is something it will cover one city, I guess. 
but uh, yeah there is some funding that impact gives you if you are selected yeah understood and then these reports is it mostly for the purposes of that group or are these also put out publicly these reports are published so even during the tours uh, we have been posting linkedin posts about each meeting summarizing some key insights from each of the meetings and in the end we will be publishing a blog on our tour and that would be published by the intiad samasada linkedin page and it will also be put on the intiad digital website and more broadly palavi what are the other major active clubs on campus so there is the consulting club which is super active there is the tmc club the technology media and telecommunication club that is super active there is isis which is super interesting actually i, I would really like if anybody wants to do impact investing so the insiad student impact fund it's a real fund you actually work with a vc loyal vc canadian vc that real time invests in startup so it's like you're doing a real job as part of the fund so anyone who's interested in impact investing highly recommend joining isis there is the insiad business and environment club uh, which is more around you know what is happening in climate tech more around what's happening in uh, you know anything related to the intersection of environment and business at the moment like esg uh, you know conversations around carbon credits and stuff like that so that's also super interesting we have a music band which is very fun like they play at all our events honestly for whatever interest you have there will be a society and if there isn't you can start one so don't worry <laughs> super super palavi can you tell us a little bit about your on campus internship search process and what obstacles did you face and how did you overcome them consulting firms just come there are coffee chats that happen there's a structured process there's a lot of resources provided by the insiad consulting club as well so you're covered if you want to do consulting but if you want to do anything else which is tech impact investing pvc anything like so in tech you have one option amazon comes for summer recruitment but apart from that you need to do research you need to reach out to people and so what happens is the recruitment cycle for internship starts consulting firms come and amazon comes that happens now if you're people who are looking for something else you need to start doing your outreach end of p1 you need to start like even that's a little late but start i would say ideally start mid p1 and start reaching out like if you want to do tech if you want to do like start exploring your options start reaching out to people in big tech mid tech everything and so after consulting in amazon a lot of startups start coming but that suddenly there will be a lull and towards the end like towards the end of pc and the beginning of summer a lot of startup recruitment will suddenly happen they will come there will be like a lot of recruitment and in between there will be industry recruitment by industry recruitment i mean uh, you know the retail brands the cpg brands they will take very few very few interns and don't be disheartened if you don't get an internship because internship positions are way lower than full time positions and international students it's a little harder to get internship versus people who have authorization wherever they are recruiting because very few firms are willing to sponsor visas for just 6 weeks or 8 weeks very few firms 
they only big firms and even sometimes not big firms. I got a offer from Dell Strategy in Singapore, and they refused to fund my visa. And then I was like, why did you select me? Like you knew I didn't have the visa. So, anyway, so like a lot of big companies as well may not just for like Google doesn't do it for intact students as well. The only people who got Google internships were people who had a Singapore PR already. So there are challenges. Having said that, a lot of international students got internships in the end because a lot of startups were willing to pay for their visas in cities where it was easier to do so. Like for example, Amsterdam, Berlin, it was easier to get the authorization. So these startups were willing to sort of do it. Or I mean, you're in the COVID age now, so people are working remotely. Like for my startup i'm working remotely so they don't need to sponsor the visa for me and it's a pc status it's harder for them to do that as well if you really want to do the internship then you will find something but if you don't find something don't fret over it like honestly unless you're looking to make a big pivot do not fret over it at all because so even from consulting right i'll tell you the stats they will take supposedly mckinsey will take 10 people for internship but for full-time, they'll take 50 people. That's the tax. So don't be disheartened. Like your chances in full-time recruitment are way more. And I think the challenge, Nupur, you asked me about challenge. I think the biggest challenge, one is just applying because you're feeling the FOMO of applying. Like, like there were people who came in saying, I'm not going to do consulting, but were applying for consulting recruitment. Just because it was just the easiest thing, the most structured, accessible thing that would get them the visas. So do not get swept in FOMO. Like be true to why you're there, what your goal is and stick to it. It may be the harder part, but it's going to be worth. They can also tell when your heart is not in it. One, don't get swept in FOMO. Second, do not get stressed. The energy on campus when you're recruiting is very heavy. Every room people are facing. So it's very overwhelming. Do not get stressed. Do not spend all your time in the library, balance your time out, keep working out, keep doing whatever self-care routines you have, keep meeting your friends for dinners, like taking a break is very important. I personally did the mistake. I was super stressed and it was visible in my interviews. Like I was automatically waking up at 4am during my interviews. Like that's how stressed I was. And it was visible in my, I couldn't do quant. I've been doing consulting for seven years. So that is what stress can do to you. The most important thing in your life is your mental health, is your self-care. Do not get stressed. It is okay. You are at INSEAD. You are here for a reason. You will make it through. Do not let the stress get to you. I think those will be my two very important pieces of advice from my experience. Yeah, no, that's really authentic. Thanks for sharing that, Pallavi. Pallavi, one thing there's a lot of chatter about is deteriorating economic climate. What's the outlook that you're hearing about, you know, as you're based in Ponty, especially when it comes to recruiting going forward? So there is talk of a recession next year, but honestly, right now it's not affecting recruitment, at least this year for us. I mean, even the summer recruitment was, has been very good. And it seems like consulting firms and big tech, like everybody seems 
there seems to be a labor shortage and people are really looking for talent in Europe, in Southeast Asia, in Middle East. So there is actually at least for this year and I mean I'm more interested in this year. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to affect recruitment. Understood. And for Indian students specifically, for full-time recruitment, which geographies, very high level, do people work in after graduating? So see, typically Indians, um, they don't know European languages, typically. So the most common locations in Europe are London, Amsterdam, Berlin, which has English-speaking roles more often than other geographies. In Southeast Asia, in Singapore, and in Middle East, Dubai. I think these are the top locations for post in chat for Indian students. Understood. Understood. Parting thoughts, Pallavi, any advice you have for incoming students to be better prepared to hit the ground running and succeed when they get to NCAD? I think I just say that try to really introspect about your goal before you come in. Try to have an idea of where you want to get and focus on that because it will be important to customize your CV in terms of initiators you're part of, electives you're taking, the kind of summer recruitment you do based on your goals. So try to do that. Uh, try to introspect about your goal more clearly. Secondly, talk to as many alumni who have relevant career paths for you as possible before NCAD and don't be swept up by FOMO and stress. Just keep reminding yourself that you're there for a reason. Very helpful. Amazing. So with that, we'll bring the interview to a close. Pallavi, thank you so much for taking so much of your time and sharing such nuggets of wisdom. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Nupur. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Crack the MBA show. I look forward to seeing you again next week with our next guest. Do not forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you and bye-bye.